0: Suns fans, you know what time it is in the P.H.X.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Try new Sonic cheeseburgers starting at only $3.99 for a limited time only at Sonic.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Cal Nolson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin
1: hi there's a rhythm to that one i like it i like it
0: cadence tone what what have you would gene simmons uh, gene simmons oh my god would jk simmons be throwing a symbol at me for that would he be doing the the clapping that's where you get the the video content people are very there i'm presenting a video element to the podcast (laughs) now there you go
1: how you doing man good um we have some events to catch up on. Um, you are heading out to that Knicks, and more importantly, maybe to some people, Sean Marion getting inducted to the Ring of Honor, which is long time coming.
0: Yeah, long time coming for sure. It's going to be a weird rhythm to the night just because it's post game and it's an eight o'clock start. Uh, it is on a Friday but I'm curious to see how many fans stick around. I won't be able to watch it because uh, the coach and the players are going to be talking after the basketball game I'm covering. So uh, Jeremy uh, with our video team will be out there getting all the content for that stuff. Uh, But I'm, I'm really excited. It should be a fun night, but uh, on the basketball court so far, it's been, I don't know how to say it, Kevin, more, more of the same so far. And I think through injuries and through the start to the season, which is where we're still at, to be clear, we haven't really approached this type of conversation. And this is a talk we're going to have that we have to label very carefully because I think for clickbait, we could say, is it time to panic about the Phoenix Suns? And that is not where uh, we are at at all. After they lost to the Nets last night, they lost, uh, that was their fifth loss in their last seven games. That's happened twice now to start the year already. They won two of three to start the year, then lost five of seven, then won seven in a row. And now they've lost five of seven again. um, In that recap, I wrote, this isn't a plea for urgency or anything. It's just where we're at right now. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on that specifically, because I think a, a problem and we'll get into rotation choices and all that kind of stuff is, and let me know if you disagree at all. But what I wrote is, you look at what the problems are for this team right now. It's fourth quarter execution, it's turnovers, it's rebounding. And there's a fourth one that I'm forgetting, but all four of those are directly correlated in my opinion to a team, just not having cohesion, continuity and and not clicking together. Yes. Like this team could be better at turnovers. Yes. They could be better at rebounding if they had, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon or if they had a, a much better rebounder, um, As a center, I guess, even though Yusuf Nurkic is a pretty good rebounder, you get my point. Like They could have a team perfectly designed for rebounding, I guess, or perfectly designed to take care of the ball. But those are more often than not things that good to great teams figure out, regardless of who is on their team or not. Uh, Defensive breakdowns was the other one, and and we just keep seeing it. The big three did debut uh, in that loss, unsurprisingly. It looks like it's going to be a work in progress there. But the way that I phrased it in the conversations that you and I had leading up to the preseason was that if this thing really is moving by Christmas or early January, then this is going to be the best basketball team in the league. And then they're going to be like the prohibited favorites to win the title. But if we're having not these types of conversations, but they don't really hit that stride until the all-star break or early March, then they're going to be in a, in a race for sure with a lot of other teams. And after playing catch up, because there are other teams that made significant changes, but at the same time, they're at the continuity disadvantage that Vogel made. And you look across the league, there are not a ton of teams that are fully hitting their stride right now, but there are a few. And some of the contenders still very much do, look like the contenders but the Suns, through all of these injuries that we'll get to through all of the rotation shuffles in and out and through just being a new group um haven't clicked together um at at all really yet and uh again concern meter is a way we could phrase it kevin but just tell me
1: what you think about it i think obviously there's symbolic like pessimism around losing to the nets losing to the twins when your big three debuts finally um It's not fair to to judge the big three, obviously, on that. I think we can get past that part um, pretty quickly and not even talk about it. But I I do see, not panic, but concerning things about just why the cohesion is, and is it because they haven't played together? Sometimes, like um, when Nurkic was throwing it into the third row, um, when Katie would make a cut, and they were just trying to figure that out, Um, nuance out what your head nods mean like in a live game scenario like yeah that's cohesion right Um, but the defensive breakdowns the the lack of and like i said like their one win in this stretch or one of their few wins in this stretch was against the grizzlies and they had to show like okay we're gonna take a punch we're gonna have a little aggression to us i'm still like wondering where the defensive identity of the team is really, and, and part of that is like Akogi's great, and he's hurt now, um, of course. But who's like that PJ Tucker? Who's that uh, Jay Crowder? Who's that guy who's just going to get everyone in a line and? and get into people when they're you know not a half step off or lazy or just little things like that and i don't know if this team has that enforcer like book and kd like get on other people but um you just need that one guy i think um whether that was chris paul jay crowder before i I think that element's missing um and But also, like, someone can develop that, right? Like, Nurk, I think, is the obvious, like, guy who can be that back line, like, you guys need to get it together. Um, so as we go in the season, I think, look, we're, what, a quarter, a little over a quarter done with the season? So it's it's a matter of, okay, you need to develop that. Like, if we go down the list of little problems, like who's the backup big that you can count on? Who is the the backup point guard you can count on if that's, Beal maybe that that's the answer and we get there in the next few games just because he's out there with the with Katie and book but just a lot of little things to figure out and again that's some of it might be like this lingers into March and April. Um, other things might be solved in the next week. And, and that's where it's just like, okay, we got to check boxes and we have the list of boxes that need to be checked now. Um, you would ideally have loved to have that like two weeks into the season, but that, that's kind of the reality of what those injuries did.
0: It, it is what those injuries did. I think to your point on, on accountability and things like that, I think the accountability and all of that is there but it's not leading to quick enough results for whatever reason. The Brooklyn game was one where by the mid third quarter, I was just like, yeah, there's just, there's no excuse for some of the defensive stuff happening right now. There was a possession where Cam Johnson off a miss uh, spaced in transition Suns had their guys back for the most part. I think there was one guy trailing. It might've been book. I'm not exactly sure who it was, but camp the, the best shooter uh, on the floor for Brooklyn was raising his hand wide open in the corner for a good five seconds. And then the ball found him and then he was still open after that time. And he hit that three. And then the example I wrote about in the recap was in crunch time, when they tried to do a late double send at Dinwiddie, like Booker gets uh, at the top of uh, the play at half court, basically. And it was one pass to Cam Johnson open in the corner for a three. So that was just like execution stuff that this team, they're way too veteran laden. They're way too experienced, uh, even without each other, just as basketball players themselves for these types of things to be consistently happening. And I think that this is a very big month for them, assuming the majority of them can stay healthy. If someone misses a couple of games, that's one of the five or six most important guys out there, which I would believe are the four starters, Grayson and, and Eric Gordon, then so be it. Um, but Outside of that, if if those six guys can be healthy for the most part, then this is a really big month for them to start to piece things together. Because a quick little thought exercise I did while you were uh, speaking, Kevin, was looking at their schedule and just picking out teams right now that I would believe have a chance of making the conference finals or at least just really making some noise in the postseason right now. Uh, and they're 1-7 in seven against those teams. They, they lost to the Lakers. They lost to the Sixers. They lost to the Lakers again. Uh, they lost to OKC. The lone win was over Minnesota. Uh, they lost to Denver, and they lost to the Lakers, and they lost to the Kings. Uh, I'm not counting the wins over Golden State. They're a mess. We'll get into that later. Not counting the Knicks just yet. Maybe that's a harder to win that we should I should be spotlighting in this scenario. Uh, it's not to say that they're they're incapable of beating great teams right now. But they they have lacked it against the higher opposition right now, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh,
1: go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think the one one thing I wanted to say on the execution front was, look, um, Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen are a big part of it, too. When you get to the end of the game the other night, like the, the Suns have used Jordan Goodwin and, and Nurk like on the court in crunch time minutes after they've blown a lead. And the big thing with them is like, look, when it when a team's full court pressing you and trying to come back, this is the Warriors game I'm talking about. Like, Book's not going to be able to run offense when he's getting blitzed. He's passing out of that. That's good on the Warriors. And so Jordan Goodwin has to make good decisions. Nurk has to make good decisions. And both of them, for as well as they have played lately, like both of them had... Turnovers and gotten blow bys and and that kind of thing that led the Warriors to get back. And I think that's a really good example of like, look, I don't, I unfortunately didn't watch enough Jordan Goodwin in Washington and they probably weren't in a lot of games. Um, I I didn't watch a lot of Nurk and I know they weren't in a lot of games last year, especially, but like, I, I don't really know the idea of these guys in important big games consistently and and that's where again going back to the past suns teams they got guys who would prove in over and over again wherever they landed like like jake Rowder, like that you would make the right play in crunch time And, and we just don't know who those guys are yet for the suns and again maybe it is something that just familiarity will help but that that's where my concern is i think is just like not knowing who you can trust yet
0: yeah, to to an extent. I think at the same time, the my takeaway from that example, which I think you're spot on with, is that Goodwin and Nurkic have been two of their best players for the last three weeks, and yeah. they're still coming up in situations like that where it's like they're almost, if not actually costing you games. Uh, like Nurk's third quarter against Brooklyn should have been the defining thing of that game that won them that game. But it just wound up again coming down to their mistakes and things that were very preventable. And that game was extremely winnable. Durant hits even one of the three jumpers that he missed that you'll take every time uh, from him. Uh, they don't go down the Goodwin alley-oop to Booker. If that goes down, one defensive stop on Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, th- there's there's a lot there. And I think that they clearly need time. And the question is if they need another season. Richard Jefferson was on our programming earlier this week and talked about how, if you look at all of LeBron's kind of super teams, whatever you want to call them, he won a title in year two, not year one um, with them. And I think that's a conversation we're more so looking at having a couple of months from now, but it's something definitely on the, um, on the um, looking ahead that we can, perhaps touch on in a couple of months, if we're still having these kinds of conversations and this team is still lingering around four to five games above 500, six, seven games above 500 when they should be a 55 win team at the very least, if if not more with the three that they have and the supporting cast that they have, Kevin, because Grayson Allen has been fantastic. Eric Gordon has been really good and is in one of those situations where I think, looking at everyone who's going to benefit the most from the big three coming back, it's probably him Yeah, because I think the point guard elements of his game have been overstretched. I think he can do it in pockets and little spaces of a game, but it's, he, he can't be the guy running the second team offense for you. And we've seen the limitations of that, um, over the course of these sort of, uh, gaps, Josh Akogi, I think, has been hit or miss, but he's still been more hit and has been someone who really helps him defensively. He was clearly missed in the Brooklyn game with their defense. Jordan Goodwin, ever since Book got back, has been really good. He's yeah. He's been more than more than good. And Yusuf Nurkic is in that category as well. As soon as Nasir Little got his crack in the rotation, he he was good. And he, and it looks like they have their guys right there. Um, you can sit here and, and we can sit here and say – and, and this is something that I think uh, is a common trap people fall into when analyzing stuff like this. Like, yeah, Drew Eubanks, it, it's its really tough right now. And it doesn't look like he can – you're worried about him long term right now for sure and like your backup center spot and things like that. But they're not losing games right now because of their reserve center situation. They're not in this state right now because of that. They're not in this state right now because Utah can't commit a dumb foul or hit two threes in a row um, or get his three-point percentage up where people expect it to be um, without that. And those have really been the only two guys struggling. The K-debates-Diop thing has been a, a slightly strange. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how you feel. I thought that he was average to below average, like somewhere in there. I thought he was mostly okay, but Vogel – kind of saw whatever he saw through this rotation development and has mostly been keeping him to the bench for now. Uh, the one guy I brought up yet, Shemezi Metu, who is in that Jordan Goodwin-Yusuf Nurkic thing where ever since he got an opportunity, more so Nasir Little, that ever since he's gotten the opportunity, he's ran with it. I think that he's been good. I think that playing him as a four has, has worked. Is it a long-term viable solution? Uh, no, but can you now kind of look to that for three to four minutes here or there in a game if it's something you need to turn to? I think so for sure Uh, with the way that he's shooting the ball from three, he just needs to keep shooting it. He's already having those kinds of situations where he's passing up shots and he just needs to keep shooting those. I think the off the dribble stuff, uh, attacking closeouts has looked fine. Haven't noticed him defensively, which is a good thing because I think that you, you would more so be noticing him if he was screwing up in the ways that myself, I was worried about just because of the lack of experience playing that kind of position in the NBA over these kinds of minutes on good teams. Um, So all of those things together, it sounds like this team is in a really good spot, Kevin. It's just taking all those pieces and then putting them together for whatever reason is leading to problems in areas that are going to really affect the way you can win basketball games on a night in night out basis. And to, before I pass it to you, Kevin, I am not doing the they should have never fired Monty Williams thing. But these are the things when they were winning 64 games and when they were just a, an absolute force in the regular season that they just had down. They yeah. They just never really screwed these up. I think people forget, by the way, Kevin, do you remember some of those fourth quarters like for those teams? They weren't great. Like they had a couple to a handful there was that weird stretch where they would just kept letting teams get back in it um so it was never absolutely perfect for them by any means but they're just a, a an example that we all know and you look at other teams across the league like they're not screwing that up i think they're their clutch net rating right now is like bottom five in the league which is bizarre because they're they're way too good for that
1: yeah i mean I, for me it's the when you look at what frank vogel says he's been open about like making this a you know a thing where they're toying with things they're tinkering with things they're screwing with the lineups and like he can say like we're gonna keep experimenting and i'm gonna remain patient i'm not gonna panic um it's when you get to again March and April when he's still saying we're still putting it together. Where it's starting, that's when it starts to get. Eesh. Like you, you better at least get something somewhere this regular season. because um, like this is like expectations. Like that's that's why expectations are this high, and you can't just spend the entire regular season doing this. So I think that's where, like, what he's saying now could look genius like if they if they set a rotation in mid-january and say you know what this is what we've learned we're in a good spot i don't think we have any more to learn let's start getting consistency and that's part of their plan um i could totally see this being like a, a silly conversation we're having so that's where i am as far as that kind of thing um i wanted to point out like i think metu's been super interesting again it matters if his good things hold up like the bad things of the other guys that might not hold up um he's got to keep shooting that but i think the the attacking closeouts is the big one where it's like they don't have anyone else who does this this is kind of like my abdul nader like huh they don't have a downhill slasher they only have one of those i know he's like the 11th guy but He's kind of important, and, and that's kind of what I'm seeing with Metu. And he might even be the ninth guy, but I think that's kind of been an interesting development with him, is especially as far as playing with the big three in those lineups lately is just like when the ball swings, he doesn't necessarily have to um, be a three-point shooter. Obviously, he has to keep that somewhere above near 34%, 35%, but um, the, the rim attacking is super important as well, especially when you're catching and, and have... A defense move in against you
0: uh, i'll say um to our conversation these types of conversations will be happening at the start of the new year if we're still in this range or if they're winning a game losing a game here and there because their next 10 this is the lightest part of the schedule the rest of the year uh at home new york and washington and then portland and sacramento on the road Uh, Back home for Dallas on the road against Houston, and then home against Charlotte, Orlando, and Portland. And then that Portland game is on January 1st. After that, uh, Clippers, Miami, Memphis, Clippers, Lakers, Portland, Sacramento, New Orleans, Indiana. That's when you start to get into some more challenging games. Sacramento and Dallas and New York, not cakewalks by any means, but you throw in the – Bad teams in there, which are Portland and Washington and Charlotte. That's four of those games. And then you've got younger teams like Charlotte and Houston that are or I'm sorry, um, Orlando and Houston that are playing well right now. But they're still pretty inexperienced teams that you should be able to take advantage of with the amount of veterans that you have. So we'll we'll see where we're at at the start of the new year. I think that this is a perfect opportunity for them with health starting to come together. Uh, Grayson Allen missed the last three games with a groin strain, but he is going to play tonight. He said a shoot around Eric Gordon is uh questionable as well. He popped up on the second game of back to back late with uh calf soreness or, or whatever. Vogel said it was a calf injury. They've been listening it his right, lower leg soreness. Uh, and then I believe that's it. No, Josh Akogi has a hip injury that we don't know much about uh, that he's missed now. I believe this will be his second game that he's missed for that. So, not quite there, but even one of Allen or Gordon returning is huge. And with Allen back, that's a big one because I think he's been the third best son this year. I think he's been pretty darn uh, good while Beal got healthy. Do you want to kind of go around the other topics? Do you have anything else on the team, really?
1: Uh, We discussed pre this podcast about Draymond Green Nurk. Um, don't hit people in the face. There's my take. It's not allowed. When you do it multiple times, like, yeah (laughs) that's that's don't hit people
0: in the face um i recommend sam amick's column on the athletic which was like is this the end of the warriors dynasty it sure seems like it what do they do they don't really have any good options clay's a free agent after this year he doesn't look great
1: it's pageancy time
0: yeah did you see who got moved to the bench last night it was andrew wiggins um that whole renaissance is taking a big crash back down this year Uh, which is disappointing to see because, man, he was really fun to watch for them when he was playing well. Uh, But that is not happening uh, right now. In-season tournament, we haven't podcasted since then. They lost to the Lakers. There was that whole – those whole shenanigans with Austin Reeves' timeout, whatever, Um, we're way past that at this point. But Twins were back. It was good to see him.
1: You have a nice moment with them today. They say, Kellen, come to New York. Come to Brooklyn.
0: No, uh, I asked Mikel about Reese Hoskins and if he was staying in Philly, because I want the Dimebacks to get a good DH. And he's one of the candidates for them to get. And then I told him as he was walking away that I know it's not going well for the Rams, but at least Stafford's throwing it pretty well. And he was like, I know you see it. Like, yeah, I know. He's, he looks like a good quarterback still. They just need to figure out, uh, the you know, the other stuff. But having a good quarterback, Kev, that uh that fixes a lot. No, it was good to see them. They were very... uh. Cam was very nice and saying, like, seeing all the friendly faces and stuff started with seeing you guys this morning. So oh. they they had a very nice emotional uh, day of just seeing a bunch of people. I think Cam signed autographs for like 20 minutes. And, man, I, from time to time, will look over and see the... Um, swarm of people when they're signing autographs, like every single person it felt like had a Mikkel Bridges jersey in their hands. When Mikkel was over there, it was crazy. Like um, the amount of Mikkel Bridges that I, uh, jerseys that I saw that night, like his Jersey was the, the, the Jersey I saw the most, not even books. And so, yeah, he's a, he's an all timer. He is this generation's Dan Marley as Dave Burns has called it to say the very least. And I think with matrix going in the ring of honor tonight, I saw Gerald Bourgier on PHNX sports wrote about current, Former sons uh, that could be in the ring of honor next. I think Mikel's got a really, really good uh, crack despite only, you know, five years or whatever it was. And with three of them being on really great teams, because um, he was quite beloved and uh, was great to the organization. And I I'm, I'm, I think it'll happen. I think I think it will. Um is Peacock doing cross-promotional oh. stuff with, like, Godzilla minus one? Oh, So they no. can just, like, show Zack Eady and then show Godzilla and then show Krivos as, like, whatever monster, or Bolo as whatever <laughs> monster that Godzilla's fighting. Like, that's what they should be doing. Should they? I, I are don't they even not know. doing
1: that? I don't know how I'm watching the number one team face the number three team in the nation. I have to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Very slight uh, cat stock, but uh, Arizona... I, I guess every now and then on Cast Talk we should explain it. You and I, U of A graduates, long time fans of like, if, if they were like, you can take a bullet for one athlete, I think you and I would both choose us on Adams, right? Like oh, we would. Yeah. It was like I would I would probably go Salim. You're more of a Hassan guy, but Hassan yeah. is like in my Mount more of athletes, probably or Salim. Sorry,
1: man. I was yeah. I was talking with other people the other day about like those teams, Hassan Adams, Iguodala, like l- legit the most fun basket. Like the Suns have had really good basketball teams to watch, but I think that team, those teams with both of those guys, who would just the dunk packages on them. Come on, yeah. It was awesome.
0: Channing was on on those teams as well. Like really fun personalities that they had over yeah. the years. It's been a good run. We're we're in the Tommy Lloyd era. They uh, have looked pretty great uh, so far to start the year. I'm not someone who watches college basketball outside of the Pac-12. R.I.P. I think I'll get more into watching Big 12 hoops because there's just like better teams across the league there. Um, but I can't sit here and say I think Arizona is the best basketball team in the country because I'm not familiar with other teams in the country. I don't know if they're particularly there yet just because of how they've looked when they've been tested offensively. I want to see Kyle I, like Pella Larson has to stay aggressive every game. It's like a prerequisite for him. But there are games where you're getting the Caleb Love experience, which is for better or for worse. Like, you knew what it was coming in, and the only thing you could have asked out of him was to be a sound playmaker and defend, and that's what he's done. So the three, it might not go in. He might go two for 14 one night, and then the next night, like, he's like Kirk Reese in that way. I don't think people think of him that way, but that's how he is as a shooter. Um, Needed his scoring at times, which has stepped up in games, but... There are games where Bolo is like a primary or even a secondary option for the offense is non-existent now because he gets doubled every single time. And the kickouts for him are pretty rough. Um, Kishad Johnson is, is fantastic, but he can't be that offensive option. So I need, I need Kylan to realize that he's the best player on this team already and start to like take over games um, or I'm calling my guy out. Yeah. I, I need to see it. You're the best point guard we've had since Jason Gardner. I wholeheartedly believe that, but he needs to start, not acting like it, but because he does, but like play like it and take over games in that kind of way. Because this should be his team, and I don't. I, I guess he, he might maybe he realizes it, but he needs to start like doing it and just whatever they're calling and just run a pick and roll with Keshad Johnson and and go.
1: I have enjoyed the Caleb Love experience because he's actually getting five assists if he's going to for fourteen. So that's that's a nice little wrinkle we didn't see coming um quick before we go do you think umar balo does decently against zach ed i think he might be fine hot take i think
0: i think i think he will be okay in like the what is like the best someone can do against him that's i think that's what we're gonna see it depends on the whistle if they let him bang he'll be fine if they don't then we're screwed um (laughs) and and that's the thing with collegiate officiating that you just never know um and i don't know what to expect it's a neutral site
1: no pac-12 officials
0: neutral Uh. quote-unquote um the good news is krivos is behind him and krivos doesn't seem to get rattled ed doesn't necessarily like he's not going to like outsmart or outwit krivos with like his footwork and a quickness it's just more about staying down and like not giving up ground as much as you can to him. And the encouraging thing is I actually had a slight conversation with Quentin Crawford. What you'll like this walking out of the arena after the Duke game and something that he mentioned, like he really liked the way the coaches and and them like the game plan that they had against Duke. And I think that was something that like Sam Bassini talked about as well. They've done very good with like game specific, um, defensive game plans and then executing them. So I think they'll have something cooked up for Edie and we've seen in games when Edie can't get going, how screwed they are. So I think that that'll be good. Um, I need to see more from the bench. It's been more up and down for KJ Lewis lately. And I think that uh, a needs to start to separate himself a little bit, or I'm going to start to get slightly worried about the bench. Bradley's been okay, but um, yeah, Keshad Johnson is a, if I could, if you told me I could get two bells for another year, this year, or I could have Keshad Johnson yeah. taking Keshad Johnson every time. Yeah. Two is a far better player than him, but it's not what they need.
1: One of them is going to be an NBA player, and that's kind of already answered itself.
0: Yeah, who's the second-best prospect on the team? Because Kylan's obviously the best one. Um, is, it, is it Pella or is it uh, Keshad?
1: My hot take. Would, or
0: are you going to say like Kreebos yeah, or something? I was going to
1: say Kreebos, but...
0: There you go.
1: Yeah, saw uh, it coming. But yeah, Kashad and, and Pel Larson. I, that is a tough question. I don't know. I'll think on this. All right, man.
0: Yeah, you think on it for the next Cats Talk we have um, <laughs> after this next couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, everyone. We really do... Appreciate it, and we'll be back uh, next week. The pace slows down here a bit uh, after the these two games. It's just two next week. And then, holy smokes, they play on Christmas against uh, the Dallas Mavericks at 8.30 p.m., Kev. You stay up so, late. Uh, You're fine.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I do. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just, like, trying to negotiate, like, a early to late afternoon Christmas uh, situation instead of, like, an early morning one, you know? Because naps will help and all that but you know it would be a better float of the day yeah that's true just trying my best all right we'll be back next week everyone see you then